Hey, everybody, it's Kevin O'Connor. Before we get into today's show, I just want to thank all of our listeners who follow us on Spotify because the Ringer NBA show made it on the top podcast chart on Spotify. Podcast charts is a recently added feature in the Spotify app, and we were super, super excited to see our show on both the overall top podcast chart and the top sports chart. If you want to see what other podcasts made it on the charts, go to the podcast hub on Spotify. And now, time for the mismatch. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining us, he does every Friday from the Ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin O'Quarantine. Kevin, we just watch basketball games. <laughs> Verno, yeah. Live yeah. basketball. It's great. Yes. So, we are recording this on Thursday night at the conclusion of the Lakers Clippers game. So, we get to instantly react to what we just saw. My oh, first yeah. reaction was, you know, you and I both agreed that we think this is very probably going to be the Western Conference Finals. If that is the case, I will sign up for that because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we thought about the quality of basketball and what it would be like, the intensity of basketball and what it would be like. I think there's just so many unknowns after taking so long of a time off. But look, we're going to get to the first game in a little bit, but uh, both of the games that I just got done watching that went all the way down to the wire had every bit of intensity and every oh, yeah. everything I missed, you know, like it, it, the NBA could not have scripted this any better for the two games that they put on for the world to see as they returned to basketball. Both of these were great, and especially that second game between two the two top seeds in the Western Conference going down to the last minutes and then the last shots. I mean, that was that was everything I could have expected and more. It was a special. Special night of basketball, um, you know, just to give the scores for people waking up early. Uh, Lakers won 103-101 over the Clippers, and Jazz won 106-104 over the Pelicans, which, like you said, we'll get to later. But um, that second game, man, like if if this is a preview of what a conference final series would look like between those teams, like sign me up, man. Like that could be a series for the ages between those two teams. And you know what? I mean, there were times I felt tonight watching both these teams that like – they're not even playing the best level they can. These teams can both be better. Clippers obviously missing Lou Will and Harrell. And then on the other, I mean, also like Beverly coming in cold here, not a lot of practice time getting back. And then the Lakers couldn't shoot the ball all game long. Nobody could shoot from three. At one point, Paul George had more made three-pointers than the entire Lakers roster. And then after that point, Lakers really did heat up from three. But both of these teams, I and mean, by the way, LeBron at one point had under 10 points with like six, seven minutes left in the game. There's a, there's a really weird game. And yet, like you said, it captured that intensity with both of them. Uh, but particularly like Lakers Clippers, the, the high level play down the stretch was just, uh, I mean, it's hard to believe it's been over four months that since either of these teams have played a competitive game, they had the scrimmages, but man, like that was high level down the stretch there. Well, and if 
this was not a good LeBron game at all. No. I mean, no, we no, have no, seen him so much better than this. But if anybody 16 per- points, 6 of 19 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3. Uh, yeah. Did have 7 assists, but 5 turnovers as well. Was not a great LeBron game, no. But if anybody had forgotten how awesome Anthony Davis is and how awesome Paul <laughs> George is, Paul George, uh, and Paul George and Anthony Davis were both just unbelievable in this game. And it was stars being stars, right? Um, there wasn't a ton of Davis down the stretch of that game, which I was perplexed by. But especially in that third quarter, he was just, I mean, he was out of control. It, it, well, it, he, it, he had that stretch with those threes yes. and the pull up towards the end. I Post mean, ups. dude. I mean, he was yeah, doing dude, everything. Dude was insane. And he was switching everything on defense, defending yes. a myriad of different players. As great as AD is, in some ways, it feels like some of his talents are a bit uh, underrated or maybe not valued as much. He's a rare one-of-one player. Truly. Okay. Here, oh, there's no question. And, uh, and George, on the other side, was so good. And if Paul George is healthy Paul George um, and he's able to play throughout this thing, you know, I mean, he's certainly there, – there, there are large segments of games where he can be the best player on the floor that includes almost anybody in the league on the floor at the same time. He is that good at his best. That being said, I know I, I would imagine you are going to be married to your opinion as I am mine. And Isaac Lee will love to hear this. <laughs> I feel more emboldened about my Clippers pick after this game tonight. Interesting. Why is that? I look at this and I say, okay, they have no Lou Williams. They have no Montrez Harrell. These are two guys that are going to be in the top three or four for six man of the year. They are also their third and fourth leading scorers on that team. Also, as that game played out, there were there were clearly mistakes. I mean, look, it's it's a one point game. Th- this is not one of those where I think you can look at it. It's like, okay, does everybody's opinions of everything change no. if the Paul George shot goes in? So I refuse to ch- if whether that Paul George shot drops at the buzzer or not, my opinion doesn't change. There were segments of time, and certainly there was about eleven minutes in a row where the Lakers didn't even score in that game. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking to myself, it was a good Kuzma game. But man, once you get past those two guys, if I just say, Kevin, who do you count on? And your guy Caruso was very good tonight, right? But Caruso is not the guy that you're counting on every single night. I'm talking like, who am I counting on? Who's my third guy? And if you say Kuzma, then maybe I'll have to accept that. But, um, you know... Like, if they got some out of Kuzma tonight, they got some out of Deion Waiters tonight. I mean, we know. Look, when you've got LeBron and you've got Davis, you've got a chance to do anything. But as it gets deeper, you are going to be able, you're, you're going to have to have other guys be able to step up. And I think I'm more confident that more guys can step up for the Clippers than I am more guys can step up for the Lakers. I don't I don't really like their roster after those two, honestly. I think your point about there's more guys on the Clippers who can, I think that's totally fair. I don't think anybody would disagree with that when you consider how potent Lou Will is off that bench, 
when you consider even like a Marcus Morris who can have a hot game. But I do think you're maybe underrating a little bit of what Deion Waiters can have. He can have an explosive game. Kyle Kuzma can go off for a 30-point game out of nowhere. J.R. Smith can have a hot shooting game. I mean, they have a number of guys on that bench. Danny Green tonight was only two of six from three. I mean, Danny Green can have a game where he heats up and hits four or five threes for you off the bench. It's not like no, they I'm saying, don't. And, and, and maybe the answer is it's going to be somebody different every single night. And sure. That's what you yeah. have. I'm talking about somebody that I can count on. That's what I'm talking about. Because you know tomorrow night, if Deion Waiters went 0 for 8, it wouldn't shock you. So, I mean, you're, you're counting on LeBron and AD. That's who you're counting on. And that's my point. You know what I'm saying? That's my point. I feel like I've got more guys I can count on. I mean, look, is there anybody besides LeBron and Anthony Davis that if they weren't, I know Lakers always get overrated because they're wearing Lakers jerseys. I thought about that when I was watching Jordan Clarkson tonight. Um, Let's just take any fan base in the NBA. Is any fan base super excited they acquired any other player on that team (laughs) besides those two? I mean, you know probably I mean? not, but but they're not other teams. They're the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's about how pieces fit together in certain situations. Deion Waiters in Miami was a disaster this season who got kicked off the team. Last year was on any good. Deion Waiters right now in the Lakers in his situation is activating some of his really good spot-up shooting, getting a lot of open shots. The guy who's hit near 40% of his catch-and-shoot threes throughout his career is somebody that looks to be in good shape, looks rejuvenated. J.R. Smith, I mean, do I want J.R. Smith on my team? And No, unless I have LeBron. <laughs> it worked for them together in Cleveland besides game one a couple of years ago against the Warriors. <laughs> but, you know, it's the type of thing where situation and fit matters. And one of the things I really like about this Lakers roster is the fact that, yes, I concede your point about the fact that they don't maybe don't have as many guys as that they can rely on. But what they do have is some lower usage guys who fit around those stars in LeBron and AD. It's not like Waiters needs to have the ball in his hands to make an impact, or Kuzma has to have the ball in his hands to make an impact. These guys can step up on nights that they need to, and on other nights they can do what they do. J.R. Smith, you know, he can grind on defense if he needs to. Alex Caruso is a terrific defensive player, and he can hit spot-up threes for you. He doesn't need to have the ball. The pieces fit around your stars, and it does, too, with the Clippers. I'm not knocking their depth at all by any means. I, I just feel like the Lakers' depth before the season, I got some of the knocks, like with Dwight Howard coming in, bringing back McGee, you know, bringing in the guys that they had, KCP. But some of these guys have turned out to be good fits around those two. Well, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. We don't know. Hell, two of these guys, they just grabbed off the scrap heap. Come on. Yeah, Waiters and Smith. Of course. We could say in the past, but I mean those and those guys are going to be getting minutes now. We don't know. But but I mean like it's not four games now of Deion Waiters looking like he's in great shape, looking rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking willing, willing to pass the ball as well, too. Right. Trying hard on defense. I mean, it's only four games, including three <laughs> oh. scrimmages. But right. <laughs> but I mean the sample is getting bigger of Deion Waiters actually looking like an impact player. And this is coming from somebody who was not on Waiters Island. I was never a Dion Waiters fan for all the reasons why people not came and make fun of him as a player. I've never been a D- big Dion Waiters fan, but he looks pretty good. And that surprises me when they signed him in March. I'm like, really? I mean, what's the point? But I kind of see the point right now. I-, I do, especially when you consider the fact that Bradley is gone. 
away from the team and he's not coming back for the rest of the season and Rondo's out until at least the first or second round of the playoffs and Rondo wasn't good during the season. That's right. He wasn't good. And that's the thing. Like Rondo is a higher usage on-ball creator. He's a guy who needs the ball in his hands to matter. Deion Waiters is not. J.R. Smith is not. Caruso is not. So I like those pieces in the backcourt. Then they can be flexible in the front court if they need to with Morris, Howard, McGee, and Kuzma too with his size. I feel like the Lakers' depth, it's a lot of focus on the names, KCP, Howard, McGee, when the production has actually been pretty good. And I care more about the production than anything else in context of LeBron yeah. and AD and who they are as players. I watch that game tonight, and I think if they have Lou Williams and they have Montrezl Harrell, they will expose that depth. You could be That's right. That's what I you think. Could, you know what I'm saying? You could be 100% like, right. Because I look out there and I say, boy, they ain't got nobody like they do. Because if when these second units come in, those guys are going to terrorize these guys. Like as, as as well as some of them are shooting the ball tonight. And Reggie Jackson was horrible tonight too. Th- yeah, and, who, well, who was getting the Lou Will minutes? Right, and Shamit was atrocious. He, yeah. I mean, Shamit did nothing for them, and he's better than he showed. Yeah, well, he's way better than he showed. I mean, and to Michael Green, I mean, look, he has a chance to have a massive bucket. And he's got it wide open and for whatever reason tries to go underneath the basket. I mean, this is crunch time stuff uh, where he misses that. And so they made some mistakes, but I mean, those guys, and maybe I have too high an opinion of those two, but I think they can be devastating. And the numbers bear out that the team, when they've got Kawhi on the court and then they've got Kawhi and George on the court, I mean, they're, they've been a devastating team. The problem becomes, and this is why they've been a very good team when they've been healthy, which is like never, is because, <laughs> you know, most teams, they can't just torch you with the second unit. And there's a lot of nights where they win those games or they certainly create a massive advantage because what they bring off the bench just isn't as good as what you bring off the bench. And so yeah. they hung with them tonight with what they had. I mean, that thing went down to the last shot with what they had. There's no there's no uh, cavalry riding in for that Lakers team, and there is for that Clippers team. The other thing that struck me was, I mean, God, they don't play again in this eight games, right? That's it. That's all. That's the only time so we see no. them? Okay. Okay, so you remember, like, at the very beginning, guys were hurt, and then we got to, like, Christmas, the guys were like, we're and, and now they've made roster changes. Like, the first time we see these teams as they are completely constructed, and obviously we're not going to see the Lakers' whole team with Rondo and Bradley being out, but the first time we see a Clippers-Lakers game with their rosters is presumably the Western Conference Finals. Like I feel like I've watched them play three or four times, and I have <laughs> every time there's some kind of caveat as to why it might be different the next time that they play because somebody is always frigging out. So it might be the West Finals before we ever see them fully loaded playing each other. And even then, I mean, if we're counting Bradley is, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and who knows? There. Like with, with health, you know, the injuries can happen by that point too. It's, That's right. it's I mean, September's a long ways away. Mm-hmm. For um, sure. Wake me up when September comes. <laughs> That's oh, a bad, bad joke. <laughs> that, was, that was cheesy. <laughs> Change of topics. I, I want to bring something up. LeBron James tonight, we mentioned in passing earlier how this was not a good LeBron game on the offensive end, but on mm-hmm. the defensive end tonight. Oh, oh my goodness. He how about was the last possession? At, oh, he was outstanding 
like Kawhi, you know, I mean, look, so much of their offense is get into the lane, get to that free throw line. Now we got a kick out. And, you know, Kawhi went in there, took the hard dribble, did the pump fake. And I mean, he just, he snuffed that whole thing out and then switched on and is guarding George. I mean, he's guarding, yeah. he's guarding the two guys. <laughs> Bowie, somehow, LeBron James was the defender on both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George when the game was on the line and they needed to get a shot off to win. I mean, he, you mentioned the big possession at the end, but like in second quarter, third quarter, he had possessions where he was the off-ball defender in a, in a help situation, and he came over and just snuffed out what could have and should have been a basket. Yeah. I remember there's one play, I think in the third quarter, Zubats had what seemed like was going to be an easy layup or dunk. And LeBron came out of nowhere, arms straight up, perfect fundamental defense and caused him to fumble the ball away or miss a shot. And it's little things like that. The LeBron's done all season long and have easily one of his best defensive years in a long, long time. Last year, he was good. It was, it was underrated last year after he had that play where he pushed Kuzma to rotate, but he had a good year last year. This has been a great year for LeBron on the defensive end of the floor. And and tonight, I mean, the offense was not there. Um, but what a, what a display by him uh, on the defensive end. And it's part of the reason why the Lakers are so good. It's because their stars, their two best players, LeBron and AD, happen to also be their two best defensive players too. No, and look, we may come back after all of this is said and done, and I'm going to have to say, you know what, it was – it was enough. <laughs> like you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It really doesn't freaking matter who's the rest of your roster. And and there is part of me that thinks that like it doesn't matter. I'm just talking about at the highest level. Oh, like sure. when they get to the West Finals and they get to the NBA Finals, there are some of these teams that I really like their depth so much more that I think that they are going to be at a disadvantage and is those two enough when you ju- you're just putting so much on them every night? To, they've got to be they've got to be very good. And obviously, you got the superstar performance from Davis tonight. It wasn't a huge scoring night from LeBron, but to your point, he did everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you're used absolutely. to. He's still running the offense. He's still you know making big defensive. I mean, he's still LeBron, and he has this. It, there's not a game that he plays that he doesn't have some kind of massive impact on you know and that's what makes great players special is that even when they're not scoring they're still making a positive impact i mean Kawhi and paul george if the buckets weren't there for them Kawhi had 28 paul george had 30 and hit just some outrageous shots but even if those guys aren't scoring they still make a positive impact yes overall they're they're just these four guys ad lebron George and Kawhi are that level of player and so you know when you take the clippers and i take the lakers between those two i mean ultimately man like you can you can argue about it, and we do argue about it, but these teams are so close. They are so close together, and that's what would make a series between those two, assuming good health for both of them, potentially so special. And the reason we th- the reason we talk about them so much, I I mean, I know you've tried to throw Houston in there. I think there is just an enormous gulf between these two. And there who- is. I, I, when I throw a Houston in there, it's just to say like they're a team that has the upset potential. Yeah. But on paper, I mean, I'm not picking them over the Lakers or Clippers. I'm not picking Nuggets or Thunder or any of them. 
Yeah, I mean, I, and I think I've said the team I think I, I believe in the most outside, like behind them, is probably Oak City. It's the Grizzlies. No, I'm just no, kidding. it's Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma. <laughs> it's kidding. Oklahoma City who, since Thanksgiving, has been has had an unbelievable record. Um, most people haven't noticed, like most things that happen with small market teams, but they have. They've had this amazing record, and they've also got you know they got warrior players at point guard and center that have a lot of playoff minutes. They got weird lineup crap they do that really messes with people. And so, but again, I'm, I'm not saying they're, you know, I'm not saying they're knocking off either of these two teams. I'm just talking about who I believe in once you get past uh, the Lakers and the Clippers. I do think we'll be, you know, barring injury, we'll be on a collision course to see these two play against each other. And if tonight is any indication of what we would get over the course of a seven-game series, whew, and that's yeah. the other thing. Without the fans, did you feel like there was any lack of intensity no. that took place? Be- and I didn't either. No, not one bit. Uh, I, I, by the way, like I'm glad you brought that up because, dude, the presentation is awesome. It really is. It's awesome. I mean, from us being at home, I mean, yes. I can, we can only speak from our perspective here. I felt the intensity in both games. I thought the fake crowd noise was really good. It yeah. felt authentic. There's nothing phony about it, even though it's fake crowd noise. It, it, anytime you heard cheers or whatever, it made sense that they were there. Um, with the with the virtual fans on the big screens, I loved. I loved the moments when after a big Lakers player would happen because it was a Lakers home game, mm-hmm. they would go to full screens of Lakers fans at home going crazy, reacting live, yes. watching on uh, on their right. laptops or TVs or whatever. I just thought it was the best possible presentation that the NBA could have put together. This is only game one. It'll get better over time, I think. Um, no, it was great. I, 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 was, I was really blown away from it. And, and I would imagine um, some of the videos that people at Disney World took, you know, uh, when plays happen, you can hear the, the fans there, the, you know, the fake crowd noise. The fake it just, it, yeah, it sounded great. Yeah, and uh, I'm curious, I mean, right now we're recording this after midnight on the East Coast as we see quotes come out, you know, overnight from players and, you know, you know, they do their talks during practices and whatnot. I, I'm going to be curious to hear more and more players feedback on the atmosphere because, you know, from a fan yeah, a perspective viewer. at home, it, it was it was outstanding. It was yeah, really the only thing notch. the only thing that sucked was Reggie Miller. That was it. Like the rest of it was <laughs> well, all fantastic. And the referees. The first half was rough to watch. The referees were blowing it's a way Scott too many Foster, whistles, It's man. a Scott Foster game. Oh, God. That first half was I mean, really tough to it's, watch. No, it's truly clockwork. Yeah. Just and disgusting. God forbid if you see him on like a Rockets game, then it's oh, just a, it's mayhem. Gracious. It's mayhem. It's, just rough. Just yeah. rough, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> like I hate harping on refs. It's like refereeing is a hard job. But sometimes just don't blow the whistle oh, he on like these destroying or, the flow of the game. Yeah. Just really like, pisses fuck, me off. Like lane violations and shit. Yeah, just, out, just stop. <laughs> You're doing too much. Swallow your whistle. You know what I mean? <laughs> Little pushies um, under the basket. Like, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, stuff like that can go. And, and yeah. by the way, you see what happens to the game when you do let that go. In yes. the fourth quarter, it was amazing basketball. It was amazing what basketball. The, let's have amazing basketball from the first quarter and on. Not There's like a flow the four, to the, the game. Fourth. Anyway. Yes, it, was, it was great. Uh the other thing was beyond the presentation, you know, you and I talked about this a lot leading up to them doing this in the bubble. And there was that moment in time 
where there was at least a conversation of, hey, there were guys that were talking about, should we go do this, right? If we want to be an agent for social change, um, is the best thing for us to do to go down to a bubble in Orlando and playing? And I continued to make the argument, look, you, you're going to have the sporting landscape and the NBA fans' attention to yourself. And the amount, the stage that you will be on and given the opportunity to get out whatever message you want to get across to people, you are clearly the NBA went out of their way to make it a partnership and say, we encourage this and we will facilitate this. And I thought from the game presentation to obviously the jerseys that they're wearing to the solidarity uh, during national anthem stuff to all of this, uh, the commercials that were running uh, throughout the breaks. I mean, it was omnipresent. And I thought they did a, a very good job of this. You know, inevitably, you are going to have people out there that attempt to bastardize whatever it is that people are trying to stand up for and turn it into an argument about something totally different than what, like, instead of just listening to what they're saying and saying, hey, this matters to them. How about I listen and try to understand why this matters to them? They have been given the opportunity and for that stage, we have seen guys use their press availabilities for it. You have seen guys use their jerseys for it. You have seen guys use their post-game comments for it, whatever it may be. And if the idea was, hey, if we go play basketball, everybody's just going to be cheering us and nobody's going to care about this anymore, like I think that could not be further from the truth with the way we saw this all be presented over the course of the last two days. I remember the week um, there was the talk after the Kyrie phone call about maybe guys right. not playing, you know, showing right the unity together by not playing. Someone from the league and someone from a team both said to me, you're not going to be able to watch an NBA game without hearing the message of the players in the league and the coaches and everybody associated. And uh, that turned out to be beyond the truth, you know? Yeah. Like you said, even the commercials. Yes. Even the commercials sent that message. And we've talked about this a lot. I think there needs to be that, well, a lot that goes beyond symbolism and, and a lot that goes beyond awareness. But that is a significant component of this. You know, that matters. It, it matters to raise awareness here. And that's exactly what the NBA is doing with the stage and the spotlight on them. And I mean, that show a unity during the anthem and everything else. Um, it was really powerful. All of it, and look, all of it was. I say this as an a dad, an older guy, if you will, right? Um, that it ain't about me. Like, hopefully, you are going to change some hearts and minds of of the older people that are out there bitching. Let me tell you though, Kevin, these guys are heroes to my ten year old, mm-hmm. and there is no question that if a child sees that and hears what these guys are saying, it impacts them. There's just no way around that, right? There is a generation of people that you're never going to change, but I don't want anybody to lose sight of the fact that there is, the the NBA has a enormous amount of young fans. Mm -hmm. And there are some of those fans that are not, they're not going to be privy to those messages in their own home. As sad as that may be. Um, They're not going to know about other cultures, or they may just not even know what's going on in the world. 
and they will be educated through this Bingo. towards 100%. towards things that take place. Hundred percent. Like I, I will tell you, my my son knows what's going on, man. He knows what's going on in the world, and part of that is absolutely because of the people he looks up to, follows, etc., and what he hears about. And him watching these games and him playing 2K and all the things that go into it. And so, like, yeah, there's going to be older people that are bitching about politics and everything else. And, oh, this this is this kind of a group and this is this kind of a group and uh, and the flag and uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, look, there's a there's a there's a lot of people. There's a lot of young fans that are that are going to be growing up and they're going to be watching this stuff and they are going to be impacted in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. That's what I would tell you. You could do all your bitching and you could do all your fighting online. There's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that need to hear this. Hopefully will listen, open their hearts and minds and for a lot of kids for that these are their heroes, I think it is something absolutely to look up to and something that they need to be aware of. 100%. I'm glad you brought that up cuz tonight I was thinking about, you know, the 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 symbolism aspect and I was thinking about why that matters. And, and I, I thought about the youth. I thought about a couple of weeks ago when you mentioned your son, you know, how kids look up to these players, they're heroes to kids. And, and I was thinking to myself, like right now, I was like earlier tonight during the Lakers Clippers game. I'm like, right now there's a kid up watching this game and his parent walked in the room and was like, turn this off. Cause they saw it said black lives matter on the court that their parents said that to them. And that kid, maybe he's young and his parents did turn off. They unplugged the TV on him. And then that kid's like laying in his phone at night. Like, why? Why? This is ridiculous. Like, why, right. why Why? would my parent do that to me? And they're doing their own research, learning about it. And they're realizing how wrong their parents are right. to feed them that nonsense and that racist mindset that so many people have in the world. And that kid is hopefully going to grow up and feel empathy for others and care about others and not judge others by the color of their skin. And that could partially be due to the, the message that is sent collectively from the NBA and the players. And, and, and that to me is what made it so powerful tonight was just seeing everybody together on that court, knowing that that message was being sent to the youth, you know, and like you said, it made me can change the minds of some older people too. But overall though, if you can get, get to kids when they're young and, and send them a positive message about equality that can make the world a better place in the long run. Cause this, it's going to take time for things to change. It always does. But um, the next three months, you know, we're going to talk a heck of a lot about basketball. That's going to be 90% of what we talk about, but what's going to matter for the long run, I, I think is what's going to happen on the social side. And I, I think the next three months are going to be incredibly important and powerful and impactful and I look forward to seeing this is only day one, day one, day one of the games that actually mattered. I just look forward to seeing what the NBA does over the coming three months with the interviews that they could have, with the messages of equality, the educational you know, videos that they could put together for people. There's a lot of ways the NBA can inform the world, especially the youth. And, and I, there's an incredible opportunity here for the league to do that. There's no question about that. Hey, Chris, before we move on, let's take a quick break to hear from today's sponsor. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by FanDuel. Sports are back and you can find all the action on FanDuel. The MLB is already here and the NBA just arrived. Whether you've been with FanDuel for a while or you're new to the experience, FanDuel has two great ways to win that you won't want to miss. First off, 
FanDuel is adding $10 in free bets to every account, no deposit required and no strings attached. And in addition to your $10 bonus, FanDuel is also giving you a day of risk-free betting. That means you can place any bets you want on baseball, basketball, and hockey and get up to $100 back on your total losses. If you don't know what to use your risk-free bet on, our boss Bill Simmons has an idea. He has a super boost for the Boston Celtics to beat the Milwaukee Bucks tonight. They move from a line of plus 164 to plus 200. If you already have a FanDuel Sportsbook account, then you're all set. Just use your $10 bonus and day of risk-free betting before they expire on August 2nd. And if you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, then what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and be sure to sign up with the promo code RINGERNBA so they know that we sent you. That's promo code RINGERNBA. Must be 21 and up and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, West Virginia, and Colorado. Offer ends August 2nd, 2020. $100 max refund. Issued in-site credit and expires in 7 days. $10 bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires on August 2nd, 2020. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. And now, back to the mismatch. There was... An early game. The first time we saw NBA basketball in a regular season form, whatever you want to call this, was the first game of the night, which was the New Orleans Pelicans and the Utah Jazz. And this was hilarious to me because it was two and a half hours of everybody giving fellatio to the New Orleans Pelicans, and then the Jazz (laughs) won the game. Like, that's exactly what took place for two and a half hours. Everybody was talking about how great Brandon Ingram is and how great Drew (laughs) Holiday is and how great Zion is and how great everybody and how great Lonzo is and how great J.J. Redick is and how awesome it's going to be to watch the Pelicans play the Lakers and all this crap. And then... And the Jazz stink, and Donovan Mitchell is overrated, and Rudy Gobert can't finish an alley-oop, and who the F is George Niang, and, and then, <laughs> and so then in the end, and then in the end, and then in the end, <laughs> Brandon Ingram doesn't hit a shot for an hour until some free throws at the very end. Zion sitting on the bench, because, I don't know, I guess he's hurt, I don't know, um, maybe his conditioning is poor, even though he looked like Superman like two weeks ago. What happened to the ripped Zion anyway? Um, <laughs> he started eating down at the Disney World, that was, I guess. That was probably what, the post-workout Maybe muscles. so. I don't, know. I, don't, but, I don't know. I don't know about that. I've never seen those muscles on me in the mirror. Yeah, but, but I, I don't know. After you work out, you, your, your veins pop. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger called it the pump. The pump. <laughs> it's an amazing feeling. The pump. That fourth um, quarter by Utah, though, was amazing. Outscored oh, New Orleans oh, by 10. Oh, just amazing. Look, mm-hmm. I hate to break this to you and everybody else in the country. <laughs> this was not about Zion sitting on the bench. New Orleans sucks in close games. It's been that way all season long. It has been that way with Zion. It has been that way without Zion. We talk about teams that like find a way to win or just know how to win and you know have a trust. They now in... Games that they are tied or behind by three points or fewer in the last five minutes, they're five and twenty-three this year. Oof. Oof. That's stinky. 
That is stinky. Now, <laughs> small sample size. I mean, like, <laughs> they're 5 and 23. How many they got to lose? How, how long have you been sitting on that stat? No, I'm just telling you. Shout out to my guy, Fast Break Breakfast, who, uh, who tweeted that out tonight. I mean, look, the rightful rookie of the year obviously puts games away over and over again. That is John Morant. Um, and while everybody is all caught up, it, I thought this was the funniest episode tonight was just watching everybody go crazy over to the Pelicans and then Utah beats them. And Utah's got, like, what uh, Conley, obviously, was very good tonight and had 20 points. Donovan was not good. And then when it mattered most, he was, he looked like a guy who had been in big games, in close games, and he came through. And then, in irony of all irony, this whole damn thing gets shut down in part because of Rudy Gobert originally. <laughs> Obviously, coronavirus exists without Rudy Gobert. But mm-hmm. just for the sake of the NBA and the way that storyline went, uh, Rudy Gobert was the first name we knew about the test of positive. It was all a scandal, and then Donovan got it, and then they couldn't stand each other. And here we have a pass from Donovan Mitchell to Rudy Gobert. He gets fouled because he doesn't finish. 62% free throw shooter, and he's the one that goes and knocks down the free throws to win the game. I mean, what the hell? What the hell? And by the way, I'm glad you mentioned Mitchell because Drew Holiday had a heck of a defensive game. Yes. But Mitchell down the stretch really started to create and generate baskets for himself and for others. Just a, a really strong game by him. You know, that's going back to what we said about the Lakers and Clippers stars. That's oftentimes what stars need to do. That's another aspect of it. You're struggling, but you get through that, you push through that, and you make a difference towards the end of the game. And that's what Mitchell did tonight. It was, it was a really incredible four, fourth quarter performance by him. And Rudy Gobert, yeah, I mean, it's it great symbolism. It sure was. You well, know, it's let great. me tell you this. <laughs> Kev, Kev, coming off, the, coming off the bench, I mean, do you want to barf? Emmanuel Moutier, Jordan Clarkson, Tony Bradley, George Niang. I mean, Clarkson at least gave a point. Would you rather have the Lakers bench than that? Yes. Okay. I was just asking, just checking. Yeah. Well, look, clearly, look, Ingles would be there. He's in the starting lineup now because they lost Bogdanovich. But, I mean, good grief. That is rough. That's rough. Ingram got off to a fantastic start in that game. But, boy, he really sputtered at the end. Boy. By the way, uh, Manuel Moody, another guy that got the uh, Knicks bump for a minute. That that mm-hmm. lasted a long time. Um, well, not for not from me. I only give uh, Filthy Frank Nilakina the uh, bump okay. because he deserves it. But Moody, I've never been a fan. Never I been mean, a fan. They have, um, you know, look, Gobert can own the paint, certainly, for long portions of time. Uh, and the Pelicans thing, it's like, okay, Who's who's the man? Who's taking over? Like you did see that in that game, right? Where there were there were a couple Mike Conley plays where Conley's been in those situations mm-hmm. and obviously Conley looks solid. Can can go and take care of things. And then you saw Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, he was thrown into a very difficult situation. I thought you remember me coming on the pod saying, like, I don't know why the hell everybody's killing this guy. Sometimes we're preaching wait four and five years for guys to develop. Rightfully so. I'm like, this guy is in his second year in the NBA. He's the best player on a playoff team 
who the other team is swarming because there's nobody else to throw the ball to, you know, and it's like, give this guy a break, man. Donovan Mitchell. Sometimes we're so impatient. He's in his second year. But yeah. then you see those I, – I just feel like down the stretch of this game, you see that come out of a guy who's taken some lumps already. And I do think that the I, – I felt like the Pelicans kind of look around and it's like, okay, who's the closer here? Who's going who's gonna to end this – who's going to do this? And obviously Ingram tried to, but Ingram was – I mean, he started off looking like, damn, Kevin Durant in this game, and then he just – I mean, he uh, he might as well have gone under the building for twenty <laughs> minutes. I mean, I didn't even yeah, know he, where the he was really bad at the end. Uh, in that, when there was quarter, a large but, portion uh, where he's just non-existent, I'd rather yeah. you be bad than I non-existent. Mean, in, uh, by the way, I, I think part of that's on Gentry. There, there's yeah. a point of that game where I was thinking to myself, like, how are they not running a play here for Ingram? How are they not running a play here for him to get the the ball on the elbow or on the posts and let him go to work in a one-on-one situation? There's certain points where the Pelicans just weren't running any offense, and you can credit the Jazz for that. But I, I and that's a portion of it for sure. The Jazz have a great defense, but there's certain points of that game where Gentry wasn't running plays, and that's one of the reasons why I think they really have sputtered in the fourth quarter, and one of the reasons why they're so bad at closing games. But you mentioned the reason why they lost that game isn't because Zion wasn't in there at the end. And that's true. They lost this game for a lot of different reasons. They played horrible defense. Throughout the game, Jazz did not always take advantage of that because the Jazz offense was sputtering at times, too. New Orleans could have given up 20 more points in that game. They were bad on defense. But at the end of the game, though, that is a situation in which you need offense to be generated against an elite defense that realistically would be locked in at the end of a game, playing their best lineups during a portion of the game where it's hardest to score. And I let me make this clear, first of all. Zion playing 15 minutes and having a minutes restriction, I get it. He's almost 300 pounds. He generates force like he's a rocket ship, and he's going to land on those knees, knees that haven't played in scrimmages or five-on-five in a long time. Those long-term concerns that the Pelicans have for him are 100% understandable. So in that sense, the minutes restriction makes total sense to me. With that said, what doesn't make sense to me is when he was on the court. And you think, look at his minutes. In the first quarter, he played from the opening tip to the nine-minute mark. Second quarter, op- uh, 12-minute mark to the 8.23 mark. Third quarter, 12-minute mark to the 8.06 mark. Then the fourth quarter, 12-minute mark to the 7-minute, 19-second mark. Why does Gentry extend Zion in the fourth quarter and not pull him at the nine-minute mark mm-hmm. to save those extra two or three minutes for a potential end game situation when you would need him. I, I that's what really I don't understand. Well, about I the will decision say this. there. I will give Gentry and maybe I'm I'm not going to be giving him correct credit, but I will just tell you that reading his quotes prior to the game. He was going out of his way to say, "Look, I want this guy." And it's going to be up to the medical staff. And we'll talk to the medical staff. And I I can just say that sometimes when things don't make sense the way they're playing out, it is because there is there is a higher power than the head coach that is 100%. making that is making these decisions. I don't know how they come to their solutions, but there are when you become uh when, when you become 
uh, secondary to the training staff. When the, when the training staff is given the power to say, okay, this is how we're going to do it, and our evidence shows, or here's how you should do it, right? And bringing him back three minutes, you know, that's shown we might overextend him at that point, or it's better to play him for this amount of time straight, this amount of time straight. Don't bring him back for three minutes. I mean, I, I just think that uh, obviously my my inclination is that Alvin Gentry probably would have wanted to do that, Kevin, but that he was told, because why would he not? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, of course. Like, it, 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 I, I, I can't just think he's a buffoon that doesn't want to put the guy back in the game. I think that if, if, if that seems odd, I just know of times in the past where I've criticized things and then I've been told, look, that's the training staff's call. And, like, sometimes these guys just say, okay, you tell me when he can play and when he can't play, and then we'll play him at that, you know, right? And very, and and very well. Do. Very well, it could be that they said only four stints. Right. Only four stints, and that those four stints were beginning of the first, second, third, and fourth quarter. Not five stints, four stints. Right. It could have been that. You could be 100% right. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know that. They got weird ways of coming up to the way that – sure how many minutes you can play at this time and load managing within the context of a game. And then of course they got stuff hooked up to you all the time. And- but what we were told though, is that it right. was, you know, 15 minutes, right? He hit the max. Yeah. He hit the max. So if it were about minutes and you can use it whenever you want to, what I don't understand is not using that at the end. And just to quote Gentry. So you can, you know, hear it from him. He said after the game, quote, of course we wish we could have played him down the stretch, him being Zion. But we used the minutes that we were given to us, and that's the way it is. The medical people said we played them and the minutes that were allowed for us to play him and just move on. End there quote. You go. There you so go. it's interesting. It's interesting. The, the medical people said we played them in the minutes that were allowed for us to play him. And that sounds like to me that it's opening quarter. And that's it. But I still question why not try to find a way to get something at the end of the game? Why, why, why you know, it's just, it's just odd to me. Maybe, uh, maybe the, Old Bulls brass was in the crowd. You remember when we were watching the last dance and they said, Don't don't put him in. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> he yeah. said, I'm going in. Maybe Zion yeah. should have pulled the Jordan. <laughs> Zion didn't watch the last dance. He should have said, Put me back in the game, even though I've got a busted foot or whatever. <laughs> it's just frustrating. I mean, by yeah, of the course, way, Zion. And, and like also the counter argument to all that is like, even if he could have had an extra three minutes, Zion was horrible on defense yeah. well, in that game. He was a zero. On the defensive end of the court, bizarre, which is bizarre. Well, yeah, which I mean, I mean, look, he's hasn't played like I, I said earlier. He hasn't played in a long time. And five on five, he didn't get any of the scrimmages. He also stunk during the season on defense, considering he didn't come back until January. Uh, so it's not unsurprising, but he was especially bad on defense tonight. And 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 it's it's weird because like he was so great at Duke on defense. So active. He was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and I just look forward to seeing that player again whenever he comes back and I hope we see that Zion again. Let me bust up uh here is one thing that I do think Gentry deserves to be criticized or can. Okay. Throughout that game, there was one time where I thought the Pelicans, I'm watching them and I'm like, "Damn. Like they are on and cracking and this is a problem." Guess what it was when our friggin' ringer cohort, J.J. Reddick, is in the game. Oh, like, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. What, what the hell is Lonzo Ball? I mean, I, Lonzo had bad foul trouble, and he was bad tonight anyway. But Lonzo was bad tonight. I, yeah. I, I mean, shit, I'd run, I'd run J.J. out there 30 minutes a night just with the way it fits with everything and the space he creates. And 
he was just he I thought he busted that game wide open. Then they took him out of the game and it went back to being slogged down and a problem. I mean, and I know that there, you know, he's got some limitations, but geez, what did he play? He probably played 20, 20 low 20s tonight. I didn't look at the box score. I mean, 26 he minutes. So he, oh, almost he played 30. Oh, okay. 20, well, yeah, he did put 26. All 20, right. That's 26. fair. To your point, you want 32. Yeah. You want six more minutes out of JJ. Oh, yeah. Um, and certainly he should be on the court when it matters most to me. Yeah. And, and so he played his average for the season. He averaged 26.4 minutes for the regular season, had 26 tonight. Uh, but to your point, though, I mean, Lonzo, you know, he does the things that he does on defense. He's active on that end. He rebounds. He passes. Um, but two for 13 from the floor. There's nights like this when when Ingram's sputtering down the end, when Zion's not playing because he hit his minutes limit. You need Lonzo to be more yeah, in order to win a game like this. And, and just to bring it back to Zion not playing more than 15 minutes, the source of the frustration here really is, is what you touched on, that New Orleans is – Right on the heels of Memphis. They have a chance at a nine seed here with a nice right. young roster. Not anymore, and, they're not. And, well, no, <laughs> I mean, kidding, I mean, bi- oh, no, but big win tonight for Portland, for Sacramento and San Antonio. And oh, no, teams that on Portland the game there. becomes enormous for the, the Grizzlies Portland game for seeding wise becomes huge. And I've told you that I, um, I am a bigger believer in Portland than I am New Orleans. And that is simply because, I mean, look, it's Lillard and McCollum, and they've got Nurkic healthy back. They've got Collins back, and they've proven they can be an outstanding team. Like, I know everybody wants – I feel like the narrative on the Pelicans is something that they have never been, and they haven't been this whole season. I I don't understand why if it's like, oh, well, they've just been injured, and that's why – they haven't. I know they're point differential because they beat the shit out of some teams throughout the, the deal. But like the results are the results, right? Like the, the old Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. And throughout this season, and then you see them play against a playoff team tonight, and it's like, okay, like they've got the what were they up? I think they're up sixteen in this game. Of 16 in this game. And that Utah team, they ain't got that much. They're in trouble in the playoffs, Kev. They are. That Utah team's going to be in trouble. I was glad they got that win tonight. Um, but the Bogdanovich thing hurts. And it really hurts because they ain't got nothing else. I He's just a bigger listened. loss. He's a bigger loss than people give credit because for. Because that bench is a tro- – I mean, they got nothing. It's Tony Bradley, George Niang, and friggin' Emmanuel Moutier. Like, what the hell? Moutier How? had a nice game. But, oh, yeah. God. He stinks. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they're just, again, you're pretty reliant on... Ed Davis didn't play tonight. No. <laughs> you know our theme song by, yeah. by John Titterington and Dan That's Bailey right. of Father John Misty is called Ed Davis. That's my guy. That's the name of the song. I love Ed Davis. Did you know that? Yeah. I know. You know that? You know, you yes. know it's called Ed I Davis. Saw it, I saw it in the email. Okay, okay, just making sure. All right. I love, I love Ed <laughs> Davis. I've always loved Ed Davis. Yeah, he's he's a great player, great role player, I should say. Well, well, he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Let me tell you what he's truly great at: craps. Really interesting. <laughs> oh God! When we, summer league last year, I walked down there. He had just won sixty grand. Oof. It was eight in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> he, no, and Dude. and it, hey, it wasn't because he hadn't gone to sleep. It was because he's already up for the day. 
<laughs> he's not a big like drinker, you know. So he went up oh, all yeah, night. He wasn't up all night. He actually got up early in the morning and went down. <laughs> you know, I've never gambled in Vegas. Is that true? Never get. I've never gambled in Vegas. Man. In yeah. my four, four or five years at Summer League, however long, how many years it's been, I, I haven't gambled a buck. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> I really haven't. I'm, I'm not lying. You think Bro, I'm kidding? Let me tell you this. I you, think you think I'm kidding right now? I, no, I don't think you're kidding. Okay, okay. I would totally believe that you'd never gambled <laughs> anything. That is the most believable thing you've said to me. No. Um, I still to this day, I got one last week. I was telling my buddies about this. I was like, this is embarrassing. Um, I still get emails. The first year I went to Summer League, I stayed at the win. And yeah, you came down there. Uh, we oh, we did was, the show. That was the year you remember? we did the show. Okay. Yeah, your 72nd floor. It was unbelievable, <laughs> right? What it was an unbel- unbelievable room. Like, <laughs> overlooked at the first night I was there, I remember, and I hadn't been to Vegas before. And the first night I was there, I, like, come in. Of course, I, I stayed up. I gambled all night. I get into my room at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm, like, trying to get to bed, and I hear this, you know, so baby, pull me closer in the you know, da, 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 like that. And I'm like, is that the chain smokers? I was like, God, man, is there a freaking club downstairs or something? And I looked downstairs, and of course, there's like a beach club and it's still bumping. Bro, it really was the freaking chain smokers. Like they were playing <laughs> at the party. And I was like, is this what this is gonna be like? And in fact, it was what it was gonna be like. <laughs> and to this day, I still get emails. With them offering me like free rooms and comps or whatever. I'm like, bro, free how, rooms. I'm like, how much money did I lose? <laughs> I mean, I, I must have lost a fortune <laughs> my first year there. I swear, I haven't stayed there in four years and the wind still sends me emails every month. You haven't unsubscribed? <laughs> <laughs> no. One day I'm going to take them up on it. <laughs> the buffet there is fire. And they, and they just brought their golf course back. I got to go back sometime. Interesting. I, I, guess, I guess if those keep on coming, why unsubscribe, though? You'll, you'll, you'll get it eventually. Maybe one day I want to go back. Anyways, that <laughs> what, uh, uh, what we do need to mention was that was, that was a great game, too, that Pelicans jazz oh, yeah. game. Down really to the great game. very end of the game, right? And yeah. so we got two really good ones right off the bat in terms of competition level. We kept saying, we don't know what these teams are going to look like. I mean, it looked like we were watching NBA games. And if, if you didn't tell me we had just taken off four months and that we're playing in a weird situation in a bubble in Orlando, and you just presented me the basketball game, it wouldn't look any different outside of obviously noticing the fans aren't there. Then, I'm talking competition-wise. Wouldn't look sure. different than what we would have been watching. Uh, I chatted with uh, the Ringers, Jason Concepcion, at Network on yep. Twitter, host of NBA Desktop and The Connect and Binge Mode. And uh, you think you need to promote him? So he got Emmy a problem winner. with his name getting Emmy out winner, there? If you didn't know, yeah. <laughs> Emmy winner, Jason Concepcion <laughs> of NBA Desktop. Yeah. Um, and we talked during, he like a Twitch stream uh, during the Jazz Pelicans game. And I said to him, and I'll say this to you now, Part of me felt like the atmosphere and the crowd and, you know, everything we touched on a little bit earlier was better than, like, some NBA games. You mean New Orleans? <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, New Orleans or some places where it's just empty crowds. It ain't better than Utah. 
Utah is wild. Not better than Utah. It's not going to be better than OKC or either yep. of the LAs or anything like that. But I mean, it was better than a lot of NBA arenas. That's for damn sure. Yeah. No, I mean, in That's terms of sure. commotion. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it, was, it was great. I mean, there's some empty seats in the virtual fans, so it's just kind of <laughs> realistic for New Orleans games. But um, sorry if you're a Pelicans fan, but it's just the truth. I'm sure if you're a Pelicans fan, it, it probably annoys you too. Mm. You know? If I were a Pelicans fan and, oh. and I looked on TV and I see empty seats, I'd be pissed off because I would want an atmosphere That's right. like OKC has, like That's Boston right. has, like Golden State has. I'd want that. Yeah, um, I would, and I would also really want a fair shake from the media because nobody, nobody oh, dangles off our ball sack like uh, in the national media. <laughs> New Orleans Pelicans, enough with them. Do you, Take an L. Do you feel like? And I'm curious about this since you brought that up. Do you feel like Ja Morant and Memphis to an extent, but especially Ja, doesn't get enough national attention? I'm talking like from ESPN, TNT. He gets NBA more team. now. He gets more now. But does he not get enough? Does he deserve more? Did you see the uh, corner graphic they're running in both of these games? Friday night, tune into TNT, NBA Rookie of the Year debate. What the? What? I didn't see this. What was that? They're promoting a show where they're going to debate the rookie Wait, of the where, year. Where that was she, this? I, I didn't it was see on this. the corner of the screen in both the games tonight. And they did the reads. The announcers did the reads. That show should be 10 seconds. Was it constantly in the corner? Not omnipresent, but I mean, it was, they mentioned it and they did the read. Tune in Friday night. Rookie of the year debate. And they had a little picture of John, a little picture of Zion. And it's I not like, a debate. I wanted to, I wanted to vomit. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Like, that's what is different about his deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're mm-hmm. going to debate it. I mean, you could argue Zion shouldn't even be in the top three for rookie of the year. I had him second. You played part 19 of me was games. Like, I, know, I know. Part of me was like, why do I even have him second? I, by the way, I had Ja first, which is a no-brainer. Anybody who doesn't have Ja first, like, question your sanity. I had Brandon Clark third. Oh, wow. He made a winning impact as a rookie. Good defense, one of the most efficient, best rim runners. I, I don't want to ramble about Brandon Clark, but but like I feel like it, it is just interesting that's being framed as a debate. Well, look, I'll tell you this. I know who does take it a little bit seriously sometimes. So Bam Adebayo, the last exhibition game, Bam Adebayo walked in with the like a, a real rookie of the year shirt of Kendrick Nunn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kendrick Nunn should be in that conversation too for a top three spot. Ja went out and urinated on them. <laughs> he had like 24 and 12 in 20 minutes. And Kendrick Nunn did nothing. It was, Kendrick Nunn. I couldn't put him in my top three because he doesn't play a lick of defense. That's oh, why. Oh, interesting. Um, he had a very good rookie season, though. He did. He did. Uh, don't yeah. get me wrong. He's great offensive spark plug for Miami, important to that team. But Brennan Clark is a better two-way player, so I gave him the, the slight edge. I feel like people have talked about the Pelicans all year about a team that has not existed. You know what I'm saying? They will get there and they will be a powerhouse if Zion lives up to his, what is inevitably his destiny. I get it, right? But for this particular season, I mean, God, the ringer, even the other day, you saw me tweet him, what the hell? It's like, which, which first round series? It's like they are the eight seed, like they have done anything. <laughs> they haven't done anything. And in fact, <laughs> Portland is better than them. Yeah. 
Speaking of which, we mentioned that they are, uh, it's the first game tomorrow with the Grizzlies and the Portland Trailblazers, which does become a massive game for the Western Conference playoff standings because with the Pelicans losing, clearly Memphis would be able to gain a huge amount of space um, between not only, it's a double game, right? Um, We still don't really know about uh, Lillard and whether or not, you know, there's not sure thing that he's going to play. Um, I went and was thinking, you know, look, I'm always logical about this stuff. If you're if you're Portland and the guys, if you're worried about it a little bit, then you say, okay, what's the next game? If we ran him out there, could he just sit the next game? Um, because we might be able to beat Memphis without him dependent upon, you know, if you got like a Brooklyn or a Washington or whatever in the next game, their next game is Sunday afternoon on national TV against Boston. And then go look at Portland's schedule after this Grizzly game tomorrow. I did not realize this until today when I, I looked at it. Ooh, and that's tough. Wow. Read, read it off for people. The Portland, I mean, this is murderer's row. One thing just to say real quickly, uh, Jason Quick of The Athletic reported uh, today that Damian Lillard will play tomorrow. Okay. Um, so so we'll see if that ends up happening um, tomorrow yep. or today, Friday. It's yeah, 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 recording Friday. this tonight, so Friday. Um, but their schedule, so Memphis Friday, like you said, Boston Sunday, then Houston, Denver, Clippers, Sixers, Mavs, Nets last game. But until that Nets game... <laughs> Oh my goodness! Is that, that is murderous row right there for them? Brutal, yeah. brutal. I was shocked. I guess I just hadn't caught. You know, you see all the schedules at the beginning, and there was a lot made of. You know, uh, Memphis has a very you know, the most difficult schedule, and uh, the Pelicans have the easiest schedule. And but looking at that Portland one, I was like, God. What did they do to somebody? Like, what's the, what, what, did, what did they do so wrong? Here's the thing, though. Like, that schedule's tough. But Nurkic looked really good in scrimmages. Mm-hmm. If Nurkic is back to being the Nurkic that we last saw, Portland, in terms of quality of play right now, they should probably be viewed as, like, on the same level of, like, Denver OKC. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if Absolutely. Nurkic is that guy, because of the what he does for their defense, you know, what he Absolutely. does is a passer in the half court, pick and roll partner with Dame Lillard. And I mean, CJ McCollum had a the Harden level, Harden lookalike step back. I mean, they can compete with anybody. They can compete. At, at, to your point, Kev, they got somebody that, like, there ain't a lot of these teams that you could say, hey, that guy could go for 60 tonight. <laughs> like, they That's do. Dame. He might That's go Dame. for 60 yeah. points. Like, I mean, you I mean, never... really, really, you could throw CJ in there. CJ's a guy who can go for 50. They oh, can yeah. go for sixty any night. Um, they they can they can win any game, but that schedule's tough regardless of the team. <laughs> Terrible, and I do need to ask for a bit of forgiveness here. It's the the the, the Trailblazers Grizzly game is not the first game tomorrow, and many of you will be listening to this pod on Friday, <laughs> and I'm so sorry. Um, because this is this I is a blo- going. Well, it's a blood war for the seventh <laughs> seed. In the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference, big and it's going to big game. It's, it's going to go a long way towards deciding that, and that is the Magic and the Nets. Oh, yeah. oh can't wait! And the bubble uh, Nets. 
if uh, if that game was in my backyard, I would not raise the blinds. But uh, there is also more more games going on in the afternoon. First, Suns Wizards, another mon- just monster game. I'm, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to tune in to watch Devin Booker, my guy in the bright future Suns. Look, at, at Kings Spurs, both two teams. The, look, the Kings are a, a, a little bit dangerous, can be, right? Because they're right there record-wise. They could catch somebody um, if they got Fox and healed, going off at the same time, whatever. Nobody expects them to, but I'm just saying they're at least in striking range if they ran off some wins. That being said, two huge games. Yeah, Celtics, Bucks. Now we're not going to get to see uh, Connaughton's still out. Bledsoe's going to be out, so it's not going to be full on Bucks experience. Uh, but you got Bucks, Celtics. So you got number one and number three in the Eastern Conference, and then the nightcap: Harden versus Luca. So we got the Mavericks, Rockets again. This one, it's a double. It's a double game. Because much like I said, giving the other team a loss in this situation while you're getting a win is going to count double for you. And the Mavericks, I mean, like hell, want to get away from that seven seed so they don't have to play the Clippers in the first round. And the Clippers, by the way, they got to they got to get the win in because they're only a game and a half up. Well, that's the thing. You, you <laughs> say you say that, but like, what if Clippers fall to the I three know. spot? And right now, I mean, they've they're they've played a game more than anybody else. Actually, no, that's not true because Utah played tonight. They're only two ahead of Utah yep. right now. Theoretically, I mean, the Clippers could slip here. They could. I mean, I don't think they could. will. They could. I expect them to win a heck of a lot of these seeding games, but they could. So, like, you talk about that seventh spot. What if the seventh spot becomes the place you want to be mm-hmm. to avoid the Clippers? That could happen. Oh, well, because if you're the Clippers, you could say to yourself, you know what? These teams, anybody that could pass us, what does it really matter? There's no home court. So two or three, it makes no difference to us. But, no difference. Exactly. But it absolutely matters. The only thing that matters, you just can't, you can't drop to four because then you'd have to face the Lakers before the West Finals. But if you're two or three, it doesn't even matter. But it yeah. absolutely matters to whoever's six and seven. <laughs> no doubt about that. But no doubt I, about that. I think you got a plan on them being second and still try to get away from being seventh. You don't want to mess around with that, you no, know. Of course not. No, I mean you want to win games. You you you're competing. You're trying to get back in rhythm before the postseason. You're trying to figure out new things on offense. I mean, for most, there's some teams here that I I do wonder if they start off like zero and three, or if a guy you know. Will they start limiting minutes? Like for the Bucks, is there any reason to play Giannis more than thirty minutes? Is there any reason? Probably no. not. No. Um, Hell, most games game. during the season they don't have to. They're usually kicking somebody's ass by the end of the third quarter. So bad. exactly, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> he doesn't that, have that, to. That's that's what makes his season really so extraordinary. <laughs> the fact he only averaged thirty point nine minutes. Very important question for you as we close this. Thank you, because this is the Rockets and the Mavericks. Two okay. teams that you have done videos about or written about being very dangerous. Well, Kevin O'Connor, I ask you, what happens when danger meets danger? <laughs> Rockets versus Mavs. 
Which two of, those, of my favorite players, James yes, Harden and Luka Doncic, and two teams that you have deemed very dangerous teams. Dangerous, okay, yes, dangerous teams. So if they're both dangerous, what happens when they meet each other? Because many times they are just facing someone who is not dangerous. But what happens when the dangerous team meets the dangerous team? Are you just going to have a full erection the entire game? I, they say four hours is when you have to go see your doctor. So this should only be two and a half. <laughs> to only two and a half two hours. So, I'm, half so hour. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm not going to call the doctor while I watch Luca and James Harden just go at it. Um, <laughs> you do. <laughs> that sounded really wrong. That sounded really wrong. You do. <laughs> Leave that in. That sounded so wrong. That was not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell the video team to clip that part out. And, and we're going to run that as a breakout. The Rockets. <laughs> the Rockets, you are still higher on, correct? Yeah, I am. But I will say they also have probably a lower floor, too. Okay. I mean, this weird, funky, small ball experiment that we're about to see. I have questions about how that's going to work. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't know if it's going to matter as much versus Dallas. Kristaps Porzingis can't beat a five foot eleven guy in the posts, so you know it's not going to matter versus them. But it matters versus Denver. It matters versus LA. Both LA teams. Um, sure. But versus Dallas, so it doesn't matter quite as much. So like this first game, Houston and Dallas, for the Houston small ball experiment side that I want to see and learn from. I don't think we're going to learn a lot in this game from that. I just don't. Because Chris Stapps can't beat you if you're small. He sucks on the post. And that's something Porzingis, as much as I like him, uh, you know, as, as lethal as he is from the perimeter, n- nice weapon that he is, good defensive player, he stinks in the post, man. And he needs to get a lot better there for the Dallas Mavericks to be what they can be. And he hasn't gotten better, and that's unfortunate. I talked to him last October when I reported the, the preseason story on the Mavs. And he's like, I worked a lot on this during you know, my time away from the court. You know, we focused on me beating mismatches, getting small, beating smaller guys. He brought up how Marcus Smart so effectively defended him during the season uh, in the past. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is encouraging. I mean, good. I'm glad he's acknowledging his weaknesses. But then this season, Chris Porzingis has scored only point seven, nine points on post-ups, which is ranks in the 21st percentile of all NBA players, according to Synergy. And that's with a heck of a lot of possessions against smaller guys than him. Smaller it's just guys. About, it's, it's not about that being a huge part of their offense because I know Rick Carlisle said, like, basically, what the hell do you want? We got, like, the best offense in the league. Like, we're doing okay here. But of course. in your point, to your point, he's got to be able to expose the fact in a postseason setting. Can, yeah, that can't be in the postseason. Even, that can't be yes. even Steven. If you're five seven and I'm seven three, I gotta be 100%. able to punish you for being five yes. seven. You and and that's the thing. Regular season, they had one of the greatest yeah. offenses of all time because Luca had one of the he had the best season for a second year for a guy twenty years old, best twenty year old season ever, only comparable to LeBron's twenty year old season. But the fact is, in the postseason, he's got to be able to beat those mismatches to really be that greatest playoff offense ever level. And, and thus far, he hasn't proven that he can be that. Hopefully, he comes back with it. Basketball is back. I love that we're getting to talk about players. We're getting to talk about games. And uh, yeah, this it's has great. been a late-night recording. I just want to check before we wrap this up. Isaac, have you stopped crying yet? <laughs> <sighs> I have not. No, I have been sighing and... 
And uh, tears have been coming down my face this entire hour that we've been podcasting. Uh, no, I mean, like, as you guys said at the beginning, <laughs> you know, the Clippers were missing Lou and Trez. It's That's not it. something that we should be taking too personally. At the same time, I do want to push back a little bit to what you said, Chris, about how the Clippers have a better like roster up and down because you're not accounting for the fact that in the playoffs, if these teams do meet in the Western Conference Finals, the Clippers are going to be facing an engaged LeBron James. A LeBron James that does not shoot as poorly as he did tonight. Presumably, right? We have a track record with LeBron yeah, yeah, where yeah, 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 he yeah. dials it up in the playoffs. This is a guy who made eight finals in a row right. um, before last year. So I would be a little concerned about like how much do you weigh Lou and Trez's production as opposed to LeBron turning it up? I think that we got a pretty good LeBron experience outside of the scoring. He's not going to be scoring 35 every night, right? And yeah. I do think that... Or is what, he? I, maybe. Who knows? I, I, could, I, I, can, I can read your tweets now. Um, <laughs> Don't take LeBron James for granted. <laughs> I, think, I think Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell are... Again, I might have a higher opinion of them than, than many do. Maybe even you, the Clippers. I don't fan, know. Dude. I, I don't think you have a higher opinion of Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell than me. I don't think you do. Let me, let me, <laughs> hey, let me tell you who else goes to another level in the playoffs. Your guy, Kawhi. Your guy. Yeah, that's true. That's now. true. This guy yeah. was the best player in the world last year. He yeah. did it over the course of every series. He like never slowed down. He just kept getting better. <laughs> he was like Jordan. It seriously was like Jordan. And you're so right. you're right. I'm. I, I kind of think that could happen again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. he could turn up too. And I just, I don't know, man. If I'm counting on Kyle Kuzma and Deion yeah. Waiters, I'm not. <laughs> the thing is, like, this is kind of moot because I picked the Bucks to win the title. I oh still think the Bucks are going to win the title. So, like, for me, it there doesn't really matter. That's fair. That's fair. It's <laughs> totally fair. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for another episode of The Mismatch. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy all of this basketball. Kevin, I will talk to you on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to next Tuesday and also just want to say thank you to the listeners. These last four and a half months Man. since the NBA stopped and y'all sticking with us and sending mailbag questions every week, listening to the show. It's great doing this. You know, we made and, it. And having that relationship. Yeah, we're here, guys. We're here talking about live basketball games. It's we great. made it back to basketball. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. <laughs>